Hello and welcome to another episode of the Black Business Psychology Network's podcast. Today's podcast has a really, really great guest like every week, but today's guest uh, we have Professor Binna Candola, who is the managing partner at Pern Candola, which is a firm of business psychologists in the UK. Pern Candola has been running for over 30 years and they're experts within the diversity and inclusion space. They also produce and work with a lot of research and researchers who are doing primary research into DNI issues, not just in the UK, but globally. Binna Candola started his career um, or his foray into psychology by completing an undergraduate in psychology at the University of Cardiff or Cardiff University in Wales. He then went on to complete his master's degree in occupational psychology at Sheffield University. And then he completed a PhD in collaboration with the Running Me Trust, which is a race and equality think tank within the UK. Throughout his career, Binacandola has produced various research projects as well as papers, and he's written several books. If you'd like to hear more about his career and his career journey, please listen on. It's absolutely fascinating, it's very interesting. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's a great pleasure to be here, Grace, and uh, thank you for inviting me. My, my name's uh, Binder Candola. I'm the senior partner at Pern Candola. We're a practice of occupational psychologists. Brilliant. And I'm so excited because I've known Binner for a while. I've been a bit of a fangirl. Again, this episode is going to be me like being a fangirl the whole time. But um, I think having Binner on this podcast is definitely one of the reasons why I started the podcast is to get people like Binner who have been who've kind of forged a career in psychology, especially organisational psychology, over many, many years. So it will be really interesting to hear about some of your origins, how you got started and kind of where you got to where you are now. So the first question is, and it's always my favourite, I ask it and people are like, why are you asking me this? But it's just around how you started. So from, if you can go back to like younger Binner, Hmm. maybe at school, how did you end up being a psychologist? Yeah, actually, you do need to go back to school in my case, because actually I didn't think I would be a psychologist. And um, my, my parents, um, they, they, they came to Britain from India um, and um, they wanted me to be a doctor. Right. I was doing well at school. They wanted me to be a doctor. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to be a doctor. So was actually, what else can you do? And I was actually good at uh, subjects like economics. And I thought, well, I, I, could, be, I could be an accountant. Uh, so the idea was that I would uh, go. I would go to university and be an accountant, and, wow. um, um, and I did. I did study accountancy. Uh, so I went to Cardiff University, and I did mm-hmm. study accountancy for three weeks. <laughs> uh, I just found it just wasn't for me. I didn't get it. It just didn't. It didn't connect. And uh, but my best mate then at school, and my mm. still my best mate now, um, yeah, uh, Jim. Jim got interested in psychology when he was 13 so he was always oh, wow. reading psychology books and it was kind of that te- you know, about the development of teenagers and yeah anyway just reading all sorts of stuff and then he he worked out from a very early age from a very young age that he wanted to be a clinical psychologist wow um and uh, but he was all and we 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 we're as I said we're, we're we're big friends now and we're just as big friends you know how many 60 years later wow and um uh, so I didn't want to do um, accountancy, mm. but Jim had all shared these books and talked about psychology, and I thought I'll give that a go. 
so I gave psychology a go instead, and then uh, and then I, I just that's where it started. So actually, going back to school is very relevant here, but not in terms of the the education itself. It was in terms of the influence of my best mate, who is a clinical <laughs> psychologist. Actually, he was the youngest. He became the youngest top grade psychologist in Britain. He worked in Bermuda. Wow. He's, he's about to retire now as a clinical psychologist. Um, and uh, but Jim Jim was the one who influenced me in that in that regard. That is so interesting. I'm definitely going to look Jim up because Jim sounds like he was a really mature 13 year old reading psychology books. Yeah, just, yeah. He's a very childish. He's a very childish mid 60 year old. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. So Dr. Jim Williams, University of Liverpool. Brilliant. So it kind of started early on your exposure to what psychology was. So yeah. what was your experience like on the course? Did you yeah, stay in Cardiff? Yeah. Yeah, the, the experience the, the experience is really good actually. I mean, I think education is very good to me, and um, um, and I, I I enjoyed. I still I, I I couldn't figure accountancy out, mm. um, and I've got more appreciation of it now as I've got older. But I couldn't figure it out then, and um, it just made a lot of sense. I, I really oh, made a lot of sense. Of course, some of the stuff was revelatory. Was is as psychology is, you kind of have an idea about what psychology is, and then you have these revelations that it's not what you thought it was. Yeah. Um, and um, um, I, and I just got I just got more and more into it, and I enjoyed enjoyed every aspect of it actually. From what I can remember of Cardiff, because I nearly did my oxide masters there, but I ended up mm. going to Nottingham. Do they have did in those in that time? Did they have a placement year as well? No, not then. No, okay. Talk, no. Talking a long time ago now, Chris. Yeah, no, because yeah. like some courses historically, I think Cardiff used to, Brunel, Bath, they will have placement years yeah. now. There were two universities. Mm -hmm. So you had Cardiff University and you had UIST, University of Wales Institute of Science and Technology. Yeah. And it may well have been that UIST had the placement year. Right. Um, the, uh, I think Cardiff have had a, placement year but the the uh, yeah, I think UIST and then they merged and it may be that the, uh, the practice of one uh, was then adopted by the other right so okay after you finished you graduated from your undergrad psychology what was the plan did you have any aspirations I didn't, I, I didn't have a plan I, I was going to get a job and, right. uh, and I couldn't get a job I applied oh I can't remember but there, there was the milk round then and I applied to mm. 100 organizations wow uh, I didn't get a single second interview. I got a few first interviews. Mm -hmm. I didn't get a single second. I didn't get. A, I didn't get a, a second interview anywhere. <coughs> and um, so I set off to do a master's. Then okay. I used my time. And uh, occupational psychology was being taught at Cardiff. Yeah, but not in the psychology department. Huh. I know. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's the the um, it was taught by it, it was. It, uh, so occupational psychology, it's always, I don't know what you think of this, but it's always had this, psychology has always had this kind of, uh, kind of, kind of distant relationship with occupational psychology. What do you yeah. do and do you belong yeah. here? And, that, yeah. that, and in those days, the psychology department didn't know about, wanted to know about occupational psychology clearly. Right. And it was then, this is talking about the mid seventies, mm -hmm. industrial relations was a big thing. And there was a department of industrial relations. Yeah. And there was a very inspiring lecturer uh, there called Andrew Ricks right uh, and he was just brilliant and, uh, and I can still remember some of his lectures then about and applying psychology to the world of work obviously really? but I've never really come across that before and there were only half a dozen of us 
taking that option. There are lots of people taking the clinical option and yeah. child and development psychology. Yeah. Um, and half a dozen of us in the industrial relations department studying okay and I just thought it was wonderful Brilliant. Uh, and then um, I thought that's what I want to do more of uh, okay. there were six courses then in the country six occupational psychology yeah. courses Sheffield was uh, yeah. the University of Sheffield had the oldest one yeah and there were only so there were six courses and at Sheffield there were only six places on the course wow I know, yeah. And so it was a very, it was a minor interest, really. Mm. And the other courses weren't much bigger. So it was basically about, you know, less than 50 masters in occupational psychology being produced every year. Now, now you get that number from one of 40 courses. Um, and um, and again, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Brilliant. So you did it, where did you end up doing it? At Cardiff, did you? At, uh, I did yeah. that at Sheffield. At Sheffield, right? Yeah. yeah, in the yeah, I applied there. I didn't go in the end. It, it's so it's interesting how you said that psychology has an interesting relationship with occupational psychology because where I did mine at Nottingham, it was part of the Institute of Work, Health, and Organisations, which was in the business school, yeah. and literally on a different campus to where psychology oh, wow. was. Yeah. So we had to go into like I lived in a place called Beeston, so I had to go into main campus and then get a bus to get to the Jubilee campus where the oxide department was so yeah it seems like that happens quite often yeah. at yeah. different organizations and of course a lot of the a lot of the masters occupational psychology now are, are in are there are in business schools yeah yeah which kind of makes sense but i don't know i think it is part of psychology it is an applied route of psychology so it should mm. feel like it has a home mm. like we were a bit nomadic i think mm. to a certain extent we're kind of on our own no one really knows what we are <laughs> yeah. sad bit sad so after the masters what was the next step well the next step was actually to um, um and just this opportunity came up um mm. there, there was a there was a very um um unique scheme that was being run by the university of aston called the interdisciplinary higher degree scheme right so everybody every project so it was a it was a it was a small kind of department um well it was a scheme uh, and uh, at the University of Aston in mm. Birmingham, mm -hmm. and um, and people were doing their masters and PhDs, there, yeah, right. Um, but every project had to be sponsored by an organisation, right. Uh, so you got selected to go onto the scheme. So they had a bank of students, and then it was a case of kind of finding, uh, you know. So we, we've got a pool of 40, 50 students, and uh, so we got accepted by the scheme, and then you, and then you have to wait. There's a, there's a pool then of projects that needed to find a researcher for. Yeah. And if the student wasn't appropriate for a, for a, a, uh, for a project, then they would kind of still stay start part of the pool until the project came up. Um, and um, so I got accepted onto the scheme. And then it was a question of, is there a project here that, yeah. that's suitable for me to carry out? Mm -hmm. And... Um, and I was uh, one of the projects. So there's the one that attracted me to the scheme. Actually, they said we have these projects, and it was one that was being run by. What well, is one that uh, needed to be done by the um, Running Bee Trust? Yeah, which oh, is wow. an educational charity. It was looking at race, and they they wanted to look at the fair use of selection tests. Right. And they needed a researcher. Yeah. And the research that essentially the project was. Um, this was in uh, the late seventies. Uh, the Running Bee Trust had done it there, so then they uh, very shortly after the introduction of the Race Relations Act in 1976. Of course. So this is very new. This, yeah. this new legislation, and um, 
um, Michael Pern of Pern Candola was then right. the deputy director of the Redmond Trust right. and a psychologist. And he was talking to, he'd done this piece of work uh, researching uh, the civil service selection process. Yeah. And he'd found that the civil service were selecting very few minorities, yeah. or if any, and the tests were the problem. Right. The executive's office, the tests were the problem. The civil service said, so he wrote this report, it got some publicity, and uh, basically one of his recommendations were the civil service needs to uh, investigate this and look at the adverse impact. Right. Civil service said, we've got no resources to do this. Right. So then he heard about this scheme and uh, we started, uh, uh, we're looking for a, a student. So basically, I got selected to do this project because the civil service at the time mm. said they had no resources to investigate the adverse impact of their own tests. And so I was brought in to do this. And the barriers, I mean, it just, uh, there was me, this naive student, uh, just going in, going to do this research and all this stuff. And the, the barriers, this is the psychologist I'm talking about here, right. the barriers they put up to preventing me from collecting the data, from ever getting the project done, uh, it was just horrible. Uh, I can't remember her name now, but the, 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 uh, um, the, the, there were some psychologists who, who I found extremely helpful. But mm. They weren't necessarily directly involved in the project. One of them was a guy called John Barker, uh -huh. who was awarded with a CBE a few years ago. John, John couldn't have been more helpful, but he wasn't really directly involved in the project. Yeah. Um, but uh, I wish he had been, because you know, life would have been a lot easier. Mm. And he did make life easier. Full credit to him. He's, I think John's retired now. The, but he was wonderful. But the others were just, I mean, they just didn't want this carried out. So every obstacle they could put in the way, they did. And um, I remember that the, uh, um, and there was one woman in particular, I can't remember her name now, but she she was, she just didn't want to know. And right. she, 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 as a psychologist, didn't want to know about adverse impact of their tests. Uh, and um, the uh, I, I eventually I had to collect data from around the country. They wouldn't help collecting the data. I had to go to all the testing centers around the country, as many testing centers as I could on my own to collect data. Mm. Uh, they then produced pile of printout they were like that. Oh like, no! This is the old days of printout. Yeah, you know, the green and white stripe thing. Oh, and I had to go through this and pick out my people, the the people that I had who they returned from. Yeah. My data of sixty thousand people or wherever it was. Thousands, tens of thousands, and then I had to pick the three and a half thousand who had collected. Who, uh, so I had to do it all by hand because they wouldn't help. Anyway, I did it, uh, and um, and then I presented the report to them. And then this, this anyway, it's just horrible. They were horrible, but the but the process of getting the PhD was fascinating and I, and really enjoyable. And of course, it then I, I then made contact with Michael. Michael then right. left to um, and Michael. Uh, Pern, this is that he uh, sent, I mean, he's a friend and a colleague. He was my manager for many years. But actually, I didn't realize until until he'd retired from Pern Candola, actually, that he'd been um, my mentor. <laughs> what he was you like, I mean? silent it was never a formal, right. it was never a formal thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I learned so much from him. Yeah. And he was passing on knowledge. But yeah, yeah. and it wasn't like, you know, I am your mentor. He was effectively yeah. my boss, and then he was my partner. Right. And a friend. Yeah. Uh, but he's, you know nine, 10 years older than me. Okay. Uh, but it was do this, try this. Uh, um, this is what I would do in this situation. Right. Uh, and just having somebody around like that, and I still, 
on a daily basis, I'd be thinking about, um, you know, the stuff that he he was passing on to me. Right. I was very lucky to kind of meet somebody like him that early mm. in my career. So that project turned into a PhD project with the Runnymede Trust, which was for uh, the civil service. Yeah. And that's then this was the civil service internal psychologists that were giving you all these barriers. Yeah. It's hilarious. And it, I mean, it's funny because I th- I've been, I feel like speaking the last, there's a couple of episodes ago, I interviewed Christine George um, and then I interviewed an ed psych um, last season. And it's the same kind of thing. Like people think that diversity inclusion is new. It's been, it's only come around the last five years, but since the sixties, the fifties, people have been doing this research and it's coming around. Like we're still talking about the same thing, Mm. you know, adverse impact, it's not new. People have been using a selection and assessment psychometrics for years. They had in adverse impact then. They're slightly better now, some of them. And it's just so interesting how we're, we're still talking about this. But we're in still the talking space. about this. Yeah. It is, I mean, the, the Phil Wilson, who is the chief psychologist yeah. of the civil service. I mean, you can't find anybody. I, I can't, you know, he's so dedicated. Yeah. And, and he, he talks, he talks so, so he has his job about selecting people, all that sort of stuff. But the way he talks about diversity and inclusion, it's not a separate topic. No. And there are, you know, and you know yourself, actually, there are a lot of psychologists who see, yeah, we do our job, we sell these tests. Uh, and you want to talk about adverse impact? Yeah, you talk to that, talk to that person over there, they'll know. That's actually how ha- that has happened to me. Yeah. Uh, sure so talk can. to that person over there. And I thought, well, no, you, why don't you know? You're the one who's selling this. The, um, um, yeah. It's, it's really interesting. I always find that when I talk to people, it's like this, none of this stuff is new. This has mm. been around and we're talking about, we're beating the same drum. It's mm. a little bit depressing, but at the same time, it shows testament that you started this, your career within psychology, especially organizational psychology with a diversity inclusion kind of angle, literally yeah. straight away. Like that's what your first job and ex- experience of kind of researching was. So after that PhD, then what happened i went to I, I went to work at uh, shl Savile and okay. Alton, as it was then and that was yeah. a great experience i was there for two years right um and um peter Savile um is just one of those he's just a force he's one of those people you i know it's a cliche and it, and, and it can get overused but he's just a force of nature i can't think mm. of anybody i've ever met like him mm. he's just so he's such an amazing individual and again, I learned, I'm very lucky to come across him. Yeah. And, um, but I learned such a lot from him. I continue to learn from him, actually, because we're, we're friends still. Yeah. Uh, but he's such a remarkable individual uh, with a, and everybody's, you know, everybody's got a unique background. Yeah. But some of the things that he's had to endure in his life, um, I kind of, you wouldn't, you wouldn't wish upon anybody else. Mm. You wouldn't wish upon anybody, actually. Yeah. Um, so I met him and then we, Michael and I were there. Uh, we, 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 Michael Perm was there as well. Yeah. Uh, I, and uh, had a, a kind of very steep learning curve, curve at SHL. And then, um, and then Michael and I decided that to, we, we were the first people ever to leave Savile and Molson, actually. Really? Yeah. It was that long ago, Grace. So it was like you were like, pioneers you're like right we're leaving see yeah, yeah but we left on very good terms yeah and yeah. Uh, and, uh, and roger passed away a few years ago sadly mm-hmm. and uh, roger holdsworth and yeah. um, we both went to his memorial service and but i i have you know i learned so much in that period 
uh, again, which stands me in good stead today. But the the um, uh, and Peter's Peter's still friends, you know, and he'll. Um, um, it was wonderful. It does sound like again, like early oxide. It does seem like the training ground for a lot of people I speak to was was SHL. Like they started there, yeah. and then a lot of people have branched out to start off their own after they worked at SHL. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I hear that a lot. That's a good point, actually. I wonder how many people that is. Yeah, I must yeah. be loads. Yeah. I know at least three or four. Yeah, there's probably a lot more. So, yeah. so that's when you decided to like branch out on your own yeah. and start Pern Candola, obviously. Yeah. So where yeah. did where did that idea come from? Like, how did it spark? Uh, well, the, the the when I was six or seven, uh, my dad worked in a factory, mm. and um, and um, my my mum was a cleaner. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I was uh, the I was doing well at school. Right. I was about six or seven. My dad had some friends around, and I remember. I just remember I was sitting in in the in the passageway, and the, the kind of had yeah. my, my dad had some mates around. I remember the hall light had broken. Right. I was just sat on the floor, and my dad came out, and him and his mates were having a few drinks, and um, and he came out, and uh, <laughs> he said to me, "You have to have your own business when you grow up." Hmm. Was um, there any explanation behind no, it? No, I never asked him. Actually, I never asked him why did he say that. I, I said, and I, 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 the story I've made up in my own head is he didn't want me working in a factory. Right. And um, you have to have your own business. And um, I, I just kind of thought, all right, <laughs> okay. Uh, and so that was then. So when I told my dad, when, yeah. when he when he thought I'd gone to university to be an accountant, a friend of his was. Uh, this was a year and a half after I changed to psychology. Yeah. Um, this mate of his, his, a mate of his, was round, and um, and he was saying, actually, would, would you be able to ha- help me? So you're going to be an accountant because I hadn't told them. Uh, can you help me? Can you help me with my um, taxes or something like that? And I said, well, actually, no, I won't be able to do that. Uh, he goes, why not? Because uh, you're going to be an accountant. I said, well, yeah. Uh, can you help me with my, my uh, help me with my money? And uh, so, well, no. Uh, anyway, I, I left him. This was a Saturday afternoon. So I went back upstairs and um, I did, sorry, the, just the construction of my, the house. The, 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 I went back and I was watching Grandstand. Yeah. And, um, and my dad walked in. Like, this, this bloke left. He goes, why wouldn't you help him? Uh, I said, well, actually, Dad, um, I'm not going to be an accountant. And he goes, why are you doing this? I'm, I'm, doing, um, I'm doing psychology. And his question was, can you have your own business being a psychologist? And I said, uh, yeah. <laughs> did you actually know? Or did I you know. just like... I, know. I didn't know any psychologists who had their own business. So I went, yeah. And he goes, that's all right. Then. That is hysterical. I so know. first of all, you didn't tell them for a year and a half. I've yeah. heard that story before. And then you, when you told your dad, and he just was like, can you start your own business? When did yeah, your mum find out? Oh, she didn't mind. Okay, fine. Mind. The, 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 uh, uh, but that, that, so I realised that that's the thing that was most important to it. Fair enough. And I, I, so Michael asked me, what, what did I plan to do? This is my uh, SHL. In fact, I put it on my application form. You know, what, what are your career ambitions? And I thought I want to set up my own business. Right. I couldn't think of anything else to write. And, uh, <laughs> and they still took me on. I remember Peter telling me, we almost didn't take you on because of that. I said, well, the, it was the truth though, Peter. Because I know we, that's why we selected you. And um, the, um, um, and after, and Michael asked me the question, what do you want to do? I said, I, I'll probably set up, I want to set up my own business. Because doing what? And I said, well, I don't know. It could be a taxi. The only, the only people I knew had their own businesses were had taxi firms. 
they drove a taxi or they had a shop. So I said, well, I'll, I'll have a shop, I can have a taxi firm, who knows? Um, Hysterical. Not even uh, in psychology, like anything else. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So what was it like when you started Pern Candola? You figured out that you could start a business. How did you get that, those initial clients? Like what? Yeah, we, we, we had some contacts that, uh, for, that we developed. Uh, Michael primarily, because right. he had a, he was a lot more experience than me. Yeah. But we had clients who wanted to work with us. Right. Uh, so we reached an agreement with SHL, which is basically mm. those clients. Um, they, 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 they want to work with us, but we will route them through you. Right. Um, and so any new clients we got were our clients, but the, mm-hmm. there were there were some clients who helped effectively helped to set up the business. Brilliant. Uh, and so we we had an agreement with um, SHL that those clients for a year or two, um, I think it may have been two years, but it was certainly one year, but it may have been two, that those clients would actually be routed via SHL, and um, so we were effectively associates of SHL and right, SHL right, right. kind of took they, they got revenue from it as well that's and they got a cut but you were doing and that's that. what helped um, that's what helped and, and of course it wasn't so it was seen as a um, an honorable thing to be doing mm. um, and uh, so we were just breaking off and taking clients with us and then um, the uh, 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 I'm sure Peter Peter's kind of a big-hearted cat and Peter and Roger big-hearted people anyway yeah um, but the but it it's um so whether it made any difference, I don't know. I like to think not, but but it helped be it helped our relationship. Yeah. You know, and then you know, 37 years later, we're still friends. Wow. And were you offering the same services as SHL? Like how did it work? Because no. you would have had a different bit, otherwise it would have been, why would they do that? So what kind of services did you decide to offer when you were starting? And then well, in those days, that, that uh, in those days, uh Occupational psychologists didn't refer to themselves as psychologists. Yeah. They were consultants. Yeah. Um, and Michael and I took the view, actually, why would you train? You know, why, why, uh, why would you train for six, seven, eight years? Yeah. Um, and then um, call yourself a consultant. Mm-hmm. Um, medical doctors don't do that. Yeah. You know, architects don't do that. You yeah. train seven, eight years as an architect and you call yourself an architect. Yeah. Lawyers train and then they're called a lawyer. Mm. Um, accountants train for all their years and they call themselves accountants. Psychologists train all these years to become a psychologist. They call themselves consultants. So we said we, was, we, we were uh, a practice. Yeah. We modeled, us, we modeled ourselves on professional practices. Right. And we still call ourselves a practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wanted psych psychologist to be recognized as a profession and in those early years we actually said why do you call yourself psychologists and Mm -hmm. why 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 would we want a psychologist coming to our business so we got a lot oh i see i get it i'm I'm sure you still get it now to be honest because people don't know what work psychologists or business psychologists do so again it's the same story it hasn't really changed that much well i think uh, the 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 the, um, I, I don't, we don't get it to the same degree as, as we did in those days. Though. I mean, that used to be like every client. Right. Why, why do you call yourself psychologist? Why, why mm. you know, surely that creates the wrong. I, I'm sure that it happens to the same same extent today, but but nowhere near. Um, so interesting. It's yeah. honestly like history repeating itself. So yeah, that was the start of PK, and like you said, thirty is it thirty seven years. 30, 37, 37 years. 84, one month, 80, one month and two days. Eighty four, eighty six. Because I know I, eighty four. Wow. Okay, that is only slightly older than me um that is a real 
that is really impressive, honestly, because, you know, we've seen, you've probably seen how many recessions? Two and a half? Oh, no, more than that. Yeah, there was a recession in 89. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, there, that's, there was yeah. kind of another a smaller recession in 91. The, yeah. The, the bigger recession. Uh, and then, then there was a mini recession. The, the end of the 90s was a recession. Yeah. Uh, beginning of the 2000s, there was like this tech boom. Yeah. Mini recession. Uh, and oh, then yes. we had the massive. There, yeah, there, the, then we had a massive recession, which we thought would end all recessions. And then we had COVID. Oh gosh, yeah. Again, I think you've you've really weathered a lot of storms. A lot of organisations wouldn't even last one, and you've been able to kind of reinvent yourselves. What do you think is your is the key to becoming a successful, especially a successful firm of psychologists? Because everyone kind of puts us in a in a box especially work psychologists yeah. or you deal with all that stuff at work like <laughs> you can't do any of this people pigeonhole us a lot it's like oh you only do learning oh are you not hr practitioners can you can you let me know about employment law and i'm like that's not my job yeah. so how have you <laughs> lasted the shame this isn't being video because your facial expressions just telling so, so many stories <laughs> no one will see no one will see it's just a process of just the the um it's just so the work we do is so endlessly fascinating mm. and it just changes such a lot and um the um the world changes the issues we're confronted mm. with change i started stayed in my uh, channel on diversity and inclusion but that's changing all the time that has changed all the time this is just learning about what's going on and um, listening to people and, and finding out what what's being researched what isn't being researched it's just that constant kind of interest mm. that's what um i find um i find that just really motivating absolutely that evolution like it there's different things that are coming up all the time exactly like yesterday and again it's so funny because um for have you, you've seen the infographics that we produce yeah. and yesterday yeah. i released the one on belonging and every i don't know if you've noticed the last five years no, the last three years, I keep seeing job titles that are diversity, inclusion and belonging consultant. And every oh, time really? I see, yeah, and I see belonging consultant, I'm just like, they need to get rid of that. It just sounds like a, a buzzword. It sounds horrible. Yeah, yeah. Then I started to research very briefly about the concept of belonging. And it's not, yeah. oh, it's not young at all. It's been around since 1995, at least, yeah. as a separate context and a separate concept to like inclusion, diversity, belonging. But then there's a lot of research on belonging in school settings as yeah. well as a social psychology like concept. So I was like, they're really like, you can't really get tired of psychology because there's, exactly. it, you just find new things. And like, again, I've never, you're, Every concept, I was like, oh, do you know what? Let me just Google Scholar that and you'll find something in Google Scholar about whatever you thought about in psychology. And I just yeah, find yeah. that really interesting because you're always learning and updating what you think is real and what what someone's done a model on it somewhere. There'll, there'll be like a, a Venn diagram or a pyramid of something somewhere if you look hard yeah. enough. Yeah. And I, That's I love so that. true. Yeah. yeah. It's always some and it's always like two people. Yeah, two American psychologists somewhere have developed a, a model of X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Um, I, I just find that really great. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it feels like your your parents did get their wish. You did become a doctor, just not the type <laughs> that they yeah, probably exactly. thought. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. And yeah, you, and you started your own business. And yeah, I think they were happy with time. that. Actually, yeah, there, there, there was no reason why they wouldn't be happy. But the, the, the uh, I think they were they were delighted with that. Uh, and and um, 
Yeah, I, I remember once my my um, we, we were uh, a family Sikh, and we were at the Sikh temple in Leamington. Yeah, and this there was this friend of my mum's, and uh, she she come from Coventry for some yeah. reason to the temple in Leamington. And my, my, so I was in my 40s then. Yeah. And uh, my mum introduced me to her friend and said, this is my son. He's a doctor. <laughs> He's a doctor. Uh, and so, she, so, so it's an indication there that she's really proud that, that she could oh. say her son was a doctor. And yeah. <laughs> my mum's friend said, oh, what sort of a doctor are you? I said, I've got a PhD in psychology. She goes, oh, right. She goes, I've got two sons. They're both proper doctors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I, I do disclaim when I say I've got a peer, a do, I'm a doctor with I am not a medical one because then you get people talking about their ailments and I can't help. Yeah. I can't help you with any of that. So I have to do it really fast because otherwise I'll get someone trying to give me med, me trying to give them medical advice. And I'm like, I'm not that's yeah. not I'm, I can't yeah. help you there. So that's really fascinating. I think your journey is definitely unique. And like again some of the oldest psychologists I've spoken to older in experience that's what I mean have have really all always kind of spoken about their mentors and the people that have helped them along the way mm. to help them to get where they are today and that is definitely a recurring theme mm. and as time has gone on I don't there are still people out there that obviously there's way more psychologists but I'd like to see that community continue um I think especially people from minority groups this is why I set up this whole thing in the first place because mm. I think there was a lack of people that you could find to mm. help you and you always need a bit of a leg out a leg up you know you've yeah. just finished a couple of degrees you don't really know what's going on there's no jobs that say ox like you're trying to find a job what do you do and I think that pathway and that kind of a little bit of hand holding and a little bit of advice giving can really go a long way yeah, so yeah I think and that's definitely a theme that's got that's gone on so I don't know if you can say this, but do you have any like plans for the future for Pern Candola or youth in general in terms of your career? Uh, I, I, um, I plan. Yeah, I mean, we're working on stuff all the time, actually. Yeah. And like you said, you just, there's just so much to know. Mm. Uh, and once you think you know something, you kind of realise actually somebody else, there's, there's an alternative point of view and you've got it wrong and you need to correct another. So there's, there's, there's all sorts of things that um, so we're kind of researching new things. We're kind of yeah. trying to shape the business. Like you said, trying to um, find ways of, we've had, everybody's had to adapt I yeah. mean, since the pandemic, but it's kind of what have we learned from this? How, so the business is reshaping. Um, I'm looking at different, trying to investigate and research different topics now. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's, I just find it as, as exciting as ever actually. Brilliant. It hasn't it hasn't warned warned off. Wait. Not at all. Not at all. Worn off. Yeah. Not absolutely. at all. In fact, if anything, um, I feel I, I can't really say for sure, but my fear, my sense is that I'm I'm more excited about work than I've ever been. Brilliant. That's so interesting. And you did just a little bit highlighted about um the pandemic and how you had to pivot slightly. Hmm. Um how was that for you as an organisation? Um, how did yeah. how did you respond? Um, and obviously, we had a lot of other things going on in twenty twenty as well. So, yeah, very. Yeah, it's funny complex. actually that, that, that we had to. I mean, two thirds, uh, two thirds of our staff are furloughed. Right. Or, or it was over half anyway. But yeah. Over half of our staff were furloughed. The business, I mean, as every business is doing, most businesses do. They just kind of 
work just disappeared. Yeah. Uh, I, I, uh, for, for three months, we were really bumping along the bottom. Right. Uh, but I never, I always knew we'd get through it. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I never, I never, well, I think maybe in one or two moments. When I say moments, I, I think there was one moment. I remember early on in the pandemic, I was out for a walk. My wife and I, the daughter, were out for a walk with the dog. And I think there must have been a moment where I thought, oh, wow, this is just awful. Mm. But I, I don't know whether it lasted a minute or five minutes, but it didn't last long. Right. And um, uh, so I never, I, but, the, but the other thing I knew, I, I knew, I knew how, I knew how to, I knew how we were going to get through it. Right. Uh, and the, and the, the thing I knew that we needed to do was that all of us who were working, mm-hmm. we all needed, we needed, to, we needed everybody to input into how the business was going to survive first of all, and then thrive thereafter. Yeah. So it wasn't the case of the partners just kind of meeting and planning. Everybody, the 13, 12, 13 people who were working, they all had to be involved every day. What are we going to do? How are we going to work this out? How do we plan this? And and so I didn't I didn't know the details of it, but I knew that was the approach that needed to be adopted, and um, and people responded incredibly well. They did incredibly, as I knew they would. You know, with imagination, with mm. fearlessness, mm. you know, with with real determination and focus. Um, it it was uh, it, it was actually something. It's just one of those things you can look back on and be think, yeah, that was that was an achievement. And actually, the, the, somebody asked me about October of last year, October, November, I was doing a webinar for a client and, uh, and they, they asked me a question, what's, your, what's, what's the biggest achievement in your career? It's kind of nothing yeah. to do with what the webinar was about, actually. Uh-huh. I said, that's easy. I said, that is, that is just such an easy one. And it's only recently happened, is that we, everybody who was on furlough has come back. Yes. We made no redundancies. And it was that, that was the determination of all of us, actually. That we will not only will we survive, but we will survive and get everybody back. So there will be, and there have been, no redundancies. Brilliant. Honestly, that is definitely an achievement because, you know, what we what we saw last year, and now is not stopped. It's everyone wants talks about unprecedented this and unprecedented that, but we've never seen anything like it ever. Yeah. So if you've been able to weather the storm, kind of cope with the skeleton staff. Yeah. Um, then cope with the massive up t- uptake in work post yeah. George Floyd, because when everyone realised that racism, diversity, inclusion were a thing yeah. all of a sudden last year, that was fun. And I'm sure you had to react very quickly to that as well. Yeah. Um, obviously, I've, I've shared a lot of your webinars yeah. um, internally at work. I've listened to a fair few. Um, I didn't listen to the Black History Month ones, but I'm going to go back and listen to those. And I just think things like that, it really showed a the level of expertise that you have and how long you've been doing it like you're not new to the game you know what's going on there's so much research to support what people have been saying for years but a lot of people haven't looked at the at the detail um they just shrug it off so I think that level of thoroughness and um how how like long you've been in the game has really helped you stand stand up and continue to be working and get clients because they know that it's, it's quality stuff. It's not just, let's do this for a bit and see what happens in a few years, yeah. which some people are doing. Yeah, 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 thank you, Grace. Uh, you're welcome. Again, biggest fan of Pern Candela all the time. I think my work colleagues think I work for you a little bit. <laughs> no, I don't. Okay, so as somebody who's gone through the whole process of psychology coming out, doing all mm. like, 
And I'm sure you've heard from a lot of graduates online probably asking you, what can I do? What do I do? Can you help me? What advice, top three things would you give to maybe an undergrad or someone who's just finished their master's in organisational psychology? What advice would you give them in terms of career and what should they do? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Uh, I'm not, the, 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 is it, the, so the first thing I'm going to say actually is, is uh, more to do with being a psychologist. Mm. This, this will resonate with you. It's actually just don't, I know it's a negative, but don't be lazy. Mm. And you stay up to date and you do your own research. You're always active, you're always thinking. Um, and there are so many psychologists who kind of think that they, they, they say stuff. And you think, what the? That was refuted 20 years ago. You know what I mean? The, 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 um, nobody talks like that anymore. I'm talking about occupational psychologists. And mm-hmm. I just think if, if, you, if, you are, if you have any self-respect, just keep up to date with stuff. Yeah. That's the minimum keep up to date with stuff. And then if you want to go beyond that, like you've done actually, kind of create, do some research of your own. Mm. Uh, and the people that say, oh, you can't do research, there's other resources. Well, Perk and Dolan didn't have the resources. It was only me and Michael, but we managed yeah. to do research. You've managed it, you've done research. Where you come thought, you know what, that's worth investigating more. And you've done it yourself. This mm. is outside of employment. This is just yeah. you doing it because you, you've, you've got a passion and an interest. And, and you know how to do it, of course. You know that you know all the stuff about research methodologies and approaches and how to analyze data, which helps. Mm. But nevertheless, you still have to get up, you still have to, you know, get up and do it. Yeah. In between everything else. It's it's, it's about, the first one is actually if if you do respect yourself and respect yourself as a psychologist, it does mean you have to uh, you have to work at it yeah. and uh, continue to learn. Um, the other advice, yeah, I think the other advice is just learn if, if you can take the opportunity to learn from other people mm. you know watch what they're doing hear, hear from people to contact people yeah um and learn from and learn from them and find you get yourself a mentor yeah but the biggest one for me is mm. the first one the biggest one for me is don't be lazy don't be lazy but like even if you don't like it that much find something you do like oh, about yeah. what you're doing there's I mean, always going to be something the assumption that you would be liking it yeah no, but I feel like Oxyc I find hilarious because I know a lot of people who kind of fell into it because they couldn't get into the other areas of psych that they wanted to. Not always, no. yeah. but a lot of people on the masters that I did, I noticed that and I was like, then don't do it. But no. they were able to find a niche. And I think again, if you if, if your heart's not in it, just don't. I just don't think there's any point of doing it no, unless you can I find it niche. That there's just no yeah. point. Can I replace one of my three with that one. <laughs> no, that's, have, it's a really important one actually yeah. do, do, do what do, do what do what it do those things that you you really enjoy doing yeah you know that um that's always great advice actually if you can't find something that you like about it and you can't turn it, it you know job craft yeah i just prefer don't bother rather than just have be a lackluster someone who's gone through the ropes and they've you know they've they're in a good position but they just don't care that I just don't understand I just don't yeah Yeah. well you're you're blocking the space for someone else really for a selfish (laughs) reason then just don't um if you you want a passion you've got a passion for something else to do it on the side or just do it find 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 what your find what your passion is yeah Yeah, that's good advice I'll swap one of my out for those actually there's so many areas of psychology you, there's so many areas that you can apply psychology to so it's not there's no reason to stick 
in an yeah. area if you can't. I was talking to. I was. To, I was talking to. Uh, it was an organisation, part of the civil service, and quite a specialist organisation, a high profile organisation as well, very mm -hmm. high profile organisation, and they'd done this report on race in their organisation, so mm -hmm. it was an internal thing, and they were publicising this report, mm -hmm. and I was asked to um, speak at the launch event of this report. And uh, there were some quite significant individuals in the room. I was part of a panel. Um, and, um, and there are a lot of minorities in the room. But this report highlighted a lot of the issues that minorities were experiencing in that organisation. Right. Uh, and, and the question came up is actually, if, if you if you're find your career is being blocked and you can't achieve anything, can't achieve what you want to do um what would you recommend that's all leave exactly what i was thinking i'm like well, don't stay there well, I said, well, and, then, and then one woman minority woman she said well this is a very specialist organization um and uh, i won't be able to do, do this job um i won't be able to do this job with it i said well stay uh, <laughs> stop moaning about it yeah but to me you just go i'm not going to get anywhere so you kind of have the the but people and there's somebody was in the room actually because i said you need to make sure you're maintaining your network yeah. outside of the organization. If you're not yeah. part of the dominant network in the organization, then you need to make sure you have a network of your own. Yeah. So you'll find out about opportunities. And there was one person in the room, uh, again, a minority woman in the room, who, because um, actually quite a number of people kind of objected to me saying this. Uh, and uh, um, some of them, um, the, this one individual, but then other people, a couple of people who were quite senior um, white managers in the organization. So mm. I don't find that. Very, so, and I didn't have an answer for them at the time. I find that quite negative, what you're saying. Uh, actually, if they said that again, I said, well, they just stopped doing the things that stopped, you know, stop doing those things which prevented minorities from making any progress exactly. and deal with those obstacles. Don't, don't complain about it. But one woman in the room, at least one, one person in the room, uh, minority woman, she has left yeah. and gone to a completely different organization, like completely different. Mm -hmm. And is just uh, being incredibly successful. She yeah. moved to the private sector, completely Brilliant. different work um, and, uh, and just loving it. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Like, I mean, my career has been very interesting, but there's, I've done that many times. <laughs> if I don't like, why would I torture myself somewhere that I'm not happy? Either I change it from internally, if you've got, you've got the stomach for it or you just yeah. have to leave and sometimes you just have to leave and that's okay um uh, to find out what you where you should be and where you feel included and where you feel like you belong otherwise you're going to suffer really as an individual and yeah. then it just doesn't make any sense so i i personally agree with that <laughs> yeah yeah just to be clear i think i was agreeing with you yeah. yeah. So that, I know you're agreeing with my point I was making, but I started off agreeing with you. So you, the, 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 you made the point originally. Yeah, you know, I, I understand. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. But I'm going to let you go now because I know your time is precious and it's it's now winter again. So it's dark already. But um, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, it's been wonderful, Grace. It's been great having you on. And yeah, anytime. Um, yeah, I'll keep in touch. <laughs>